Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paul LeFevre. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is Friday, the 2nd of September, 2022. Uh, we are pleased to bring into uh, our undisclosed location, Stu Sr., uh, that is Stu Scheller, who is the father of Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, uh, who has uh, made news uh, in the last six months, actually more like a year, uh, if you don't know who Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller is, he was a man who stood up, a battalion commander in the Marine Corps, who stood up uh, for an appalling uh, integrity violations uh, from his higher command. Uh, big uh, showcase there was uh, we're pulling out of Afghanistan. Uh, we have uh, removed the troops before the civilians. Uh, we have, we're removing troops to draw down during the peak fighting season. Um, not only that, but we have, we left 7,000 prisoners in Bagram Air Base. Okay, we decided to do the withdrawal in Bagram, right? Uh, and uh, Stu uh, Scheller, Lieutenant Colonel type, brought out uh, all these problems and he called out the higher uh, uh, commanders on this, called them to the carpet, and when he did that, uh, he got body slammed, okay, by the command. Uh, he did 17 years, and uh, not only that, but uh, uh, we brought on his father, Stu Sr. We want to talk about uh, what happened. I want to talk about how his son is a hero. And uh, before I go any further, I also just want to let you know his book, Crisis of Command, will be coming out uh, in, uh, I think, tomorrow. So, but without further ado... Uh, Mr. Scheller, I want to welcome you to the Pinelander Podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. And uh, I think um, I'm looking forward to connecting with your listeners. Uh, it's a fascinating story. It is. And it's, a and it's a story that I know needs to be told. I know it's talked about among the ranks, even though... Uh, uh, they got to keep it on the down low, but I'm I'm sure uh, it's discussed frequently. Well, I think that's at least for me, um, really what was surprising about it because the the demand for accountability um, typically we're all used to it at the enlisted level, the lower officer level. Uh, your son is lieutenant colonel. And when he was demanding um, accountability from the higher leadership, I think all of us, we were kind of just shocked um, because it is such a rare quality, a rare character trait anymore. Um, we were all kind of like just mesmerized, like, is this for real? Um, yeah. and, and he went after it. And he, was, he really had the... Uh, moral courage to say what everyone was thinking. Absolutely. So let so let me ask you. Uh, you two are former Marines, correct? No, unfortunately, uh, we're lowly Army guys. Yeah, retired <laughs> well, Army. I, well, uh, for those listeners out there, what can I say? But hey, let me <laughs> let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, in the Army, did you expect that your higher-ups would be held to the same standard as you in terms of integrity, leadership, and accountability? Is that something that you expected? Was that reinforced? reinforced? Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. or were you raised as a young recruit to say it only applies to the enlisted men and mm. women? Yeah. So, so – were you of the belief it went all the way to the top and back down? Integrity and accountability? Honor? I'm not going to speak for Paul, 
But I will tell you um, in my own journey, and uh, Paul and I both did, uh, you know, we're both retired. So we, we did uh, full careers. Um, early on, you go in with all the expectations of that. I think as you progress through the ranks, unfortunately, um, we sort of notice the double standard that, number one, generally speaking, folks don't get to those high levels unless they're very political. And unless then, they're not, unless, unless they're, they're not in their head, yeah, yes. That's and correct. Saying, yes, sir. And yeah. you you start you start uh, experiencing that. So by the by the time you get towards the end of the career, uh, you're very much aware of a two tiered system. Well, um, I think uh, in Stewart's book, which I have obviously read a couple of times, um, he discusses that. And you know, people have even asked him, "How come you didn't have?" these uh how come you didn't have this reaction as a young officer well you know you have to progress and as he progressed through the ranks 17 years like you through your career at 10 years at 15 years you started to probably see the double standard and the hypocrisy the the part that is upsetting is they talk a big game they talk about integrity at the top they talk about honor and uh, it, it, uh, it, they only really want to apply it to the enlisted man. And the enlisted man loses a gun, loses a weapon. Uh, he's out. He's gone. And, uh, you know, yet we can leave $8 billion, $7 billion worth of weapons behind in Afghanistan. Uh, or, and, and by the way, some reports are, are a lot higher than that. But uh, the latest news reports, the latest audit from the government is $7 billion. And, you know, it's just uh, it was just too much for Stewart to take. He he uh, has always supported his men and women. Uh, my leadership philosophy, as I have been a, a leadership management coach all my career, has been uh, to to not manage up, but to manage down and out. Mm. You manage your people. You get to know your people. You build trust. And they'll go through any fire for you. If you spend your time with your nose up somebody else's yahoo, you are managing up. And that is basically what I believe has happened to our armed forces. By the time you make it 30, especially 40 years, you've done nothing but manage up. You don't even know what's happening on the front line with enlisted men. You don't really care. You're managing your career, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's wrong, and there needs to be change. Yeah, if I can chime in there, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, sir. Is uh, uh, the first off um, the way I was raised? There was accountability, and so uh, there were standards for everyone, every rank. So I started off, uh, you know, eighteen uh, months in the army. I went through the Special Forces Assessment and Selection. I ended up going to first group, and then I was privileged to serve in uh, three groups, uh, 10th and also third. Uh, But there was a standard, and everybody maintained that standard, uh, at least when I was in. Uh, But something you hit uh, the nail on the head is, uh, I think what we're seeing now is we're having officers, senior officers, managing their careers uh, and using their units and subordinates as step stools uh, instead of, uh, you know, having a backbone like your son, who is a dying breed, uh, who, uh, you know, he's accountable for everything he does or says, and he wants, he expects the same for everybody else. And so, so he makes, so let's, yeah. So I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, so go ahead. That's, so, so we've touched on leadership, uh, promotability, yes, men. But let's yeah. talk about accountability. Let's yeah. talk about the definition of accountability. I have a few words that I'm going to throw out on the definition of accountability. To me, accountability is being honest, being transparent. It is um, admitting mistakes when we make them. It's learning from those mistakes. 
And if, uh, if I'm going in a wrong direction or if I've done something wrong or inappropriate, I would expect someone to call me out. Could be my wife on a daily basis. She's going to hold me accountable. Could be my kids. Could be my boss. Could be my subordinate. But it's somebody saying, hey, Stu Sr., uh, you know, I need to understand why you did this or why you're going there and what's, go what's going on with you. It's me owning up to what I've done in a transparent way, maybe giving someone a rationale. So let me ask you, what have I missed? What would you add to that definition of what accountability is since it was reinforced to the two of you for your 20 plus year career? Well, I, th I think you hit it on I, the head. Yeah. But you don't, I don't know right. say anything better. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, did our senior generals accept any accountability for the complete, utter, disgraceful, botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Absolutely not. Hands down, it didn't. And they We have Frank McKenzie no. now going on NPR, CBS, saying, yeah, I have regrets. You freaking mm -hmm. ought to have regrets, Frank McKenzie. I hope you can't sleep at night. There are parents yeah. out there that are still missing their children. And it's not just the 13. God bless those 13. They're kind of the poster children for the end of this war. But let's remember, it's 7,000 over the last 20 years that lost their lives. It's 8,000 contractors that lost their lives, former military. So that we're talking 15 KIA, and we're talking tens of thousands injured and wounded. You have regrets, Frank, for how you turned it over to the Taliban. You have regrets for how you abandoned Bagram Air Base. You have regrets that you didn't have the moral courage to stand up to President Biden, you ought to have regrets. It's shameful. Absolutely. Yeah, and we and we watched uh, we watched a slow train wreck, is what we saw. Yeah, back in it August. was building. It was happening. We knew it was happening. We knew it was wrong. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's sad. And, and uh, Kathy, my wife and I, uh, Stuart's mother, we've had a chance to talk to several Gold Star parents of the 13. And uh, it's it's just heartbreaking. And um, and yet going back to accountability. Frank McKenzie saying, I regret that we did a drone strike. That killed, you know, 10 people, children. Parents, I regret that. Yeah, you ought to regret it. But yeah. you know what? Uh, um, I, I, I just am blown away and flabbergasted that Joe Biden can't see it. And his handlers mm. can't help him connect to the American people. He is so det detached. And it's just sad. It's just very sad. And and uh, so we, we uh, many Americans see it for what it is. It's not just the Afghanistan withdrawal. There's, you know, I could go on for hours about the other issues going on in America. Yeah. But as patriots, we need to find our voice. We need to, we need to um, tell and talk with everyone that we know to say this is not the right direction for America. Well, I, I've got a hunch. Um, now, Mr. Mr. Scheller, you shared with us the fact that you know you've been involved in in, in leadership, uh, teaching leadership, um, developing uh, leaders in in the uh, corporate world. I, I've just got this hunch that uh, your son didn't learn accountability, honesty, transparency, humility, criticism, and all the things that you were talking about. Just during his 17 years in the Marine Corps. I have a feeling that well, I, those were probably ingrained and instilled in him as a young boy growing up. And, and uh, because if, if he had relied solely on the Marine Corps, he, I don't think we'd be talking about him today. Well, you know, uh, we, we, like most parents, you know, we, we weren't trained. <laughs> we, we, we didn't read uh, Parenting for Dummies. Uh, yeah. We uh, just made it up as we went along. My father was a former FBI agent. I used to be proud to say that. I'm not so proud anymore. 
of our current bureau and the leadership, but he was a federal uh, agent for most of his career. And, you know, I was five years old, put under the light bulb in the basement uh, when I told a lie. And uh, I, I learned real fast never to tell a lie again. In fact, I, I'll never forget. Of course, my dad would probably be sent to children and family services now, but I had to go off of, out to a tree and get a, a switch, a, tw a twig off of the tree. Hmm. And I cried the whole way out, cried the whole way back in. I don't even think my dad hit me with it. It was just the, oh man, this yeah. is going to be bad. And, um, but that's how I was raised. And we raised our kids. I told my kids, we have a phenomenon in our culture right now. Everybody thinks it's okay to lie. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we, we um, and, and with lying, you know, the old saying, if your teenager's lips are moving, they're lying. Well, now it's, if your politician's lips are moving, if your senior general's lips are moving, they're lying. If, if it's the media, they're lying. So what that does is it creates a lack of trust. Nobody trusts media, right or left. Nobody trusts anything they're hearing. And, um, and so when, when our kids were young, you know, we, we, they like most tested the boundaries, tried to get away with stuff without mom and dad knowing it. That's just kids. And, you know, you, you taught them that if you get caught lying, it's real hard to earn that credibility back. We won't trust you. And we're going to come down hard on you. And if you do it again, it's just that much harder to, to gain back privilege. So, yeah, we, we, um, we reinforced a foundation of not lying. And that is brutal sometimes. If someone like your son, Stuart, adopts that, He'll tell you things that maybe you didn't want to hear. <laughs> He'll tell you things on how you're parenting that maybe you don't want to hear, but he was honest and that was his truth. And we reinforced the speaker truth. And so when Stuart, what he did, when he did what he did last August 26th on the day of the Kabul airport bombing, he was speaking his truth. And like you said early on, he was probably saying what everybody in the world was thinking but didn't have the moral courage or the platform or the uniform to say it. And he did it. And, uh, you know, my wife, Kathy called him. We literally got in the car and drove to North Carolina from Florida. When that happened that day, I think we took off Friday morning. He posted Thursday night at 10 o'clock and, uh, we took off Friday and Kathy told him, you know, I don't know where you're at right now, Stuart with, um, your belief in God or a higher power, but he just spoke through you and he's using you to change and impact lives. So, you know, do your thing, man. We support you. And that's uh, what we've been doing for the last 12 months. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely awesome. Um, and of course we were all hoping that, um, it would turn out differently, <laughs> but, uh, well, how were you hoping it would turn out? Well, I, I, I was hoping for accountability. Yeah. Um, yep. Now, yep. now you hope for it and I would, and I, and I'm, I'll be honest, I, I would have been shocked to have seen it, but you hope for it because there was nothing that your son said that was, that was, uh, improper. Okay. Inconvenient. Um, so, so, so the embarrassing, the, the but, but none of it, yeah, none facts. of it was a lie. Yeah. And, it all, and it all part, needed to be said. Yeah. It needed to be said. The unfortunate part, the unfortunate part of it all, by the way, as you know, and your listeners probably know, and if they followed Stuart at all, they know he's lost everything. He lost his pension. He lost his marriage. He lost uh, his peer group. He lost his job. He, he uh, lost a lot. And uh, but um, what's most unfortunate, you know, General Berger, commandant of the Marine Corps, said last fall and he wrote a paper on it. It was in Military Times. He was concerned about toxic leadership. And I'm laughing my tail off when I'm hearing this, when we're going through this ordeal, because we saw it every single day. Toxic leadership had a leader seen that video that had 
an ounce of empathy, compassion, and solid leadership, they would have brought Stewart in, put their arm around him, and said, sir, you've been a hell of a warrior for 17 years, highly decorated, top of the Christmas tree. Clearly, this suicide bomb, clearly this exit from Afghanistan upsets you. We understand that you're upset. How can we help you? And what, what can we do to make this right? Had they done that, had they brought in some class leadership to have that fatherly talk with him, but what did they do? They did the exact flipping opposite. Mm. By within 12 hours, they relieved him of command without an investigation. And at that point, the war was on. They proceeded to try to crush him, to discredit him, to call him crazy, to call him a psychopath, to call him um, a sociopath, worried about his family, his own life. It was horrible. They proceeded psychological warfare to try to destroy him. The exact opposite that if you had a healthy leadership organization, you would try to understand where he was coming from, talk him off the ledge, and, and figure out how to make it right. Stewart could have been an incredible asset to the Marine Corps and all enlisted had they embraced him, but they proceeded to attack him. And guess what? Guess what? They trained him for 17 years to be a warfighter. And the Marine generals thumped him in the chest, tried to discredit him, and he has fought back for 12 months. And you'll read about it in his book. And guess what? He is just getting started. This is going to be an amazing story to watch uh, because the next five to 10 years, uh, he, he is just getting started demanding accountability. They have, they have seen nothing yet. I'm, I'm going to take a, um, a gander here. I'm going, to, I'm going to take a stab here. I'm going to say that I would put my money that there probably was a handful of leaders that were probably leaning exactly how you described. And I'm also going to say that they were probably squashed quickly and that there was no way that they were going to act on their inner beliefs out of, out of lack of moral courage and fear for reprisal. Because I cannot imagine, I do understand up higher echelons of leadership that I mean, because I, we, Paul and I kind of know how this stuff goes. You know, the calls, the, the phone calls get made immediately. So if you're getting, well, if you're getting a phone call from your boss's boss, okay, uh, even though you probably want to go over there and have a, have a heart to heart, okay, with the guy, um, it's not going to happen out of your own, out of your own fear for your own career. So, so we early on had, had contacted our senator, our representatives. Kathy and I live in Ohio. And as you go into your elected representatives, you usually go in through your backyard, your jurisdiction. And we called upon people across the United States to contact their congressmen to uh, uh, support Stewart and, and the ridiculousness that was going on. And our senator from Ohio, Rob Portman, who is retiring at the end of this year, he you know, contacted the commandant's office. He contacted the Pentagon. And, and to your point, uh, we got the rumor, I can't verify it, but we got the rumor that it was like, you know, there were many in the camp to say, let's embrace Stuart, let's bring him in, let's make this go away because it's not gonna end well from a public relations standpoint, from a recruitment retention standpoint, for Christ's sake, mm. they shot themselves in the foot, right? Mm. Well, that's, uh, and that's, and so that's proved were, out to be true. It's proved out to be true. So those generals that were supporting, let's bring him in and let's, let's make this right and let's fix it and let's determine what accountability looks like. And then there were the other half that wanted to crush him. And I guess yeah. the old school command and control 
generals won out. That's the bottom line. Um, by the way, commanding officer at Camp Lejeune, Julian Alford, Major General Mew, Julian Af Alford. I don't know if he's still there, but he was last year. He's the same uh, commanding officer over the MARSOC 3. Are you familiar with the MARSOC 3? Very. So um, Julian didn't like the outcome that the judge rendered on the MARSOC 3, and he overruled it. You knew that, right? Yeah. So, so Julian was the one at Camp Lejeune that was embarrassed by Stewart because it was on his watch. And I, and I believe good old Julian led the crusade to uh, do what he had to do. Julian is the one that wanted to call him names in his reprimand letter and all of that. So Julian's uh, quite a guy. How does... By the way, it's a good thing my wife's not here. <laughs> well, I'm you know, out on the I, I'm out of, I'm out in the garage today, to <laughs> and she doesn't like me to name names. So I hope I don't spice it up too much. Well, that's you know, listen, uh, it, it, this is understandable, and of course, it's emotional and it hits home. It's it's yeah. uh, my I, I'd hate to see my wife on in this situation. Um, she's very <laughs> protective about about the children. But um, listen, how do how does the Marine Corps and the bigger armed forces, okay, we're talking about all the branches, because I think everything is affected by this. Um, you know, if you're... If how you're, do if they you're, what? How do they what? What's your question? How do they what? Well, how do we... Listen, the damage is done. If you're... If you're so an, how do we fix this? Yeah, you're, if you're in an ROTC program, okay, and you're getting ready to get commissioned... Or you're a recruiter you're, you, in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, yeah, or a recruiter yeah. trying to even get enlisted guys. I mean, how are you? How are you undoing this? How are you fixing okay, so, this? So, if uh, you brought me in as a senior management consultant, if the Department of Defense brought me in as a senior management consultant, well, first of all, first of all, it's not going to get fixed as long as we have JB as president and Lloyd Austin as the Department of Defense. Yeah. Period. I agree. Oh, End of story. So we have two years. So the first thing we got to do, and I'm, I'm, I, uh, by the way, Stuart, let me, let me go on record to say Stuart Jr. never wanted to make this political. He never did. It was all about accountability at senior military leaders. Unfortunately, at the Secretary of Defense, into oh, yeah. the Pentagon, down to the Commandant, it's political. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about my definition of woke. You brought it up at the beginning of this broadcast, but they are political. They are yes yeah. men. And it was proved out and on display for the entire world, including our enemies in the Afghanistan withdrawal. Yeah, that's uh so, Stu called it uh woke generals. I mean that's it. So you cannot you cannot begin to fix it until you have a new leader, a new POTUS a new secretary of defense. First thing I would do, and if, and, if, and if that new president and that new sec def called me in as a consultant, I would say you probably have to clean house of the existing generals. Now, guess what? Do you, th do you think the existing generals don't know that? By the way, I'm not, I, I didn't even serve gentlemen. I'm a, a civilian. I'm proud of the Marine we raised, but, you know, do, don't you think they know that they're vulnerable in about two years, two and a half years? They should. And if they don't, I hope they're listening to this because they are extremely vulnerable. So the first thing I would do is to send a message. And by the way, I would do this in the corporate world. If a board of directors called me in and said our stock price has tanked, our sales have tanked, and we've got to save it to turn this company around. They probably need a new CEO. They probably need a new executive team. And I would go on down to the VPs and the directors, which in this case, in, in the military company, are the four-star, three-stars. And you would have to show how many employees, by the way, are in all of the armed forces? How many? Take a guess. How many millions? Yeah. Huge. Right? Yeah. 
So I would send a strong statement to the existing military personnel, to anybody that is even thinking about getting into the military. It is a campaign to say, we're starting over. We are going to demand accountability. And it starts with a change in player personnel. You fixed the leadership. And my son has said this. And so I'm stealing some of his lines. You fix the leadership and everything else will begin to take care of itself. You fix the leadership and you get the right people in the top 100 to 200 positions. And it will take time to change the culture, but you get the right leaders in place. And what's a right leader? A right leader, I mean, there's a lot of things. By the way, in Stewart's book that comes out on September 6th, in that book, in the last uh, chapter, he talks about his 13-point plan on how to fix this going forward. And it's pretty straightforward. It's not simple. It won't be easy. But you get the right leaders in place to put these things in, in motion. And it might take you five years to do it. But what we're talking about is regaining and rebuilding confidence and credibility in not only the American people, but the existing enlisted people. We want to improve retention. We want to improve recruitment. And you can't do it unless there's a change, a significant change. Absolutely. Uh, and, and yes, it is coming out uh, very shortly. Um, but you can pre-order now. I see that uh, you can go on and do the pre-orders now and, uh, and get your copy. Yep. And that way you know it, yep. it's going to be uh, as soon as they comes off the hot off that press, you can have yourself a copy. But uh Awesome for those book. of you that like to, for those of you that like to run and listen to book, I think he even taped it himself, and he'll have an audio coming out. So awesome. that'll be that'll be fun for you guys that like to work out and and uh, get educated at the same time. Yeah, I know something that uh, that's a live nerve. Uh, what I like, what I love about uh, what your son did is uh, he was the only one that actually uh, that actually gave pushback. The only only person that I've seen. In the military, they gave pushback uh, as everyone else is passing the buck. They're passing the buck around. You remember Truman had, uh, you know, on yeah. his desk, it said, hey, the buck stops here. Well, you know, that those days, uh, need to, you know, they're gone. And, uh, and I've seen that. Uh, I got out in 2009. I've seen, I've seen the woke officers, uh, and they manage their careers. And, uh, you know, if they have zero, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Deficiency. Well, it's, well, it's, so, it's like it's it's sort of this risk-averse military it's the risk -averse. Um, that we've been witnessing um, where people just don't want to take a chance. You know, they want to play it safe. They want, they want to make sure they're coloring in between the lines. Yeah. And are quick to throw their subordinates, like you mentioned earlier, yeah. under the looking bus. Looking for a fall guy. Yep. No, you were saying? Absolutely. I don't. I don't know what I was saying. I. I um, we stepped on it, you there. It, <laughs> Sorry about that's that. That's all right. That's all right. We're good. We're good. The one thing I wanted to bring out also is uh, the way uh, this was handled. Uh, the way um, the the Marines handled this whole thing. Uh, just how it, I mean, the whole thing ended up in a brig. Uh, well, it, how they're continuing to handle it—it's like now yeah. we're in this sort of damage control, criminalizing. Mode. You know, this. now 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 it's all the follow-on mainstream media articles, uh, speeches of of trying to uh, color this thing something totally different. They're trying to like uh, after the fact sort of change what we we all know and witnessed a year ago. Yeah, and they they wanted to take and the way I'm seeing this is they want to. Uh, uh, militarize what your son said as he was, you know, going after the Democratic Party or something like that. Instead of, hey, uh, this is a senior leader calling out senior leaders. And uh, just the way that was done, I don't know if you could, could you just walk us through the, the basic timeline of how they did that, what they did? Well, um, they, uh, they fired him literally. He posted, I think, on a Thursday night, literally on August 26th. They fired him the next day yeah. without an investigation. Without an investigation, so, yeah. No. Uh, and, and by the way, um, 
bring me back to the investigation. That's a fun one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because I was interviewed and I'd be glad to share you what a bogus. Oh, I'd love to hear this. Oh my God. The, U the UCMJ an investigation is a joke. And uh, I just about went off on, I think it might've been a Lieutenant Colonel or a major that interviewed me. But um, anyway, um, I mean, they, he, what, kind of, uh, he, what kind of questions did they ask you? Oh, my God. Uh, all right, so you're going to take me there now. I'll yeah. go there now if you'd like. Um, uh, Please. Yeah, Kathy. Okay, Kathy said the neighbors don't want to hear it. I guess I got to shut the garage door. Hey, um, <laughs> okay. so. <laughs> God love her. So um, the, uh, they called me. This major called me. And. Um, Mind you, he had interviewed all of Stewart's peers, a lot of lieutenant colonels, a lot of majors. Um, uh, the colonel, uh, he reported to Colonel Emil at Camp Lejeune. And um, he calls me and he said, uh, and this was shortly after they made him get a psych evaluation. And the narrative was already being spun that he was homicidal, sociopath, crazy. And um, he called me and said, uh, Mr. Scheller, um, um, some of his friends have mentioned that they think he might be bipolar. Uh, can you uh, discuss that? I said, are you freaking kidding me? Are his, wow. and by the way, his friends were his peer officers. Mm. I said, are his friends licensed psychologists? Yeah. Are they licensed psychiatrists? Have they diagnosed him as bipolar? Yeah. You're leading with the question of whether he might be schizophrenic or bipolar in an investigation. Is that how you conduct your investigation? Are you mm. kidding me? How's that for a leading question? Um, you know, do you think, you know, some of some of his friends think that maybe he might be linked to extremist groups? Do you think he might be linked to extremist groups, Mr. Scheller? I said, get out of town. He worked for you for 17 years. Mm. He led men into battle. He carried the dead out of war zones. And you're asking me if he's working with extremist groups, you're idiots. And I just about went off on this guy to where he didn't want to talk to me anymore. And um, so the investigation is nothing but it's like gossip. It's like it's mm. it, think of it as mean girls in high school. Let's get yeah. the 16 mean girls to talk about why we don't like Betsy. And let's do an investigation and call it an investigative report. They then went and cherry picked this investigation the prosecution did during the court martial. And here's what happened. Um, judge Hines was the colonel judge at the special court martial. He took the investigation home and he read Stewart's complete 17 year file, including the investigation. He came back in the next morning, second day, it might have been the third day, I can't remember, maybe the second day of the court-martial, and he admonished the prosecution. He said, basically, you cherry-picked this investigation. You didn't talk about his awards, his achievements. Shame on you. On top of that, uh, someone in the investigation or someone in the chain of command released his medical records and mental health records to task and purpose, um, who uh, the judge said, you know, that's illegal and I'd like to see these people back in my court and I'd like to see an investigation. Well, guess what? Guess what? Julian Alfred did an investigation and guess what? They found no nobody leaked the records, which was BS. They task and purpose in their article admitted that they had. So, you know, it's, um, the UCMJ, when a commanding officer like a Julian Alford can choose the judge, can choose the prosecutor, can have the prosecutor and the judge that they pick, pick the jury. And uh, and then if they don't even like the outcome, 
And by the way, the judge, the prosecutor, and the jurors are their promotability is based on how Julian Alford or the commanding officer feels about him subjectively. So talk about head shaking and yes men. Would would you want to go out on a limb and end your career over you know a trial? Maybe, probably not. And that's where I brought up the Mark Sock three earlier. Uh, that's what happened. The judge uh, on one of them, and I can't remember which one, but uh, you can read about it, do your homework. One of them was um, um, uh, vindicated by the judge. Julian Alford uh, overrode it and and uh, appealed that judge's decision and said, I, I don't agree with you. So when 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 in the judicial system of the military, a commanding officer has that much control with no checks and balances, it's bound to be potentially corrupt. Mm. Am I am I off base, gentlemen? Help yeah. me out. What do you know? No, this unfortunately um, we have. A system uh, in, in the military, especially uh, with the UCMJ, that relies on the character of our commanding officers. They are given extremely uh, huge amounts of, of authority. Um, and we just and we just all labeled them yes men that lack moral courage. So nice. can you imagine in a case like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, if he called them out for a lack of accountability, they wanted to, they wanted to bury him. I'm no lawyer, but I'm, I'm going to say that uh, they violated his rights. They violated uh, Defense Department policy uh, just for starters, just to line all that so up just the way they well, did. Yeah, and, and, and you were talking about the investigating officer. I mean um... – who, Generally, who, these, formerly, who, who formerly worked for Julian Alford. Yes, and, and they're handpicked. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they're, and they're handpicked for a reason, not, and not not because they're unbiased and willing to go out there and take them wherever the, wherever the facts take them. You know, that's no. where they go. No. Uh, they're, they're, no. It would not surprise me. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know this individual. But it, it generally, you know, they're brought in and, you know, you understand what you have to do here, you know. Major. So, so at the so at the end of the day, well, you know, here's the good news. Uh, uh, it went to a special court martial versus a general court martial. They expedited it. Mm. They wanted the noise that Kathy Scheller and I were making to go away. Mm. They wanted the noise from congressmen calling the Pentagon to go away. So they fast tracked the court martial it was a special court martial and while he was in solitary confinement they agreed uh, stewart's lawyers and stewart agreed to a plea deal stewart always had every intention he knew he broke the rules he knew and it was stated in his first video he knew what was going to happen um and, and so he accepted accountability he accepted his punishment uh, he's the only one that accepted accountability. I broke the rules. I made mistakes. I am guilty as charged. Nobody else in this debacle has done that. Yep. And for uh, publicly criticizing the senior military leaders, uh, uh, yeah, they, they would throw him under the bus. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He knew that was, that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, yep. Of course, like you said hurt feelings, but not. But the only guy that this actually gives push. Yeah, it's just the, the debacle of. Uh, I mean, the litany of uh, these failures. I mean, if you just so, look at it, so, one after the other. Yeah. So here's the deal. He just said what we, I was thinking. <laughs> so, so 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 we could talk about how poorly they handled it. We can talk. You know, Stu's not a victim. Uh, he knows what he did, and um, he's actually quite strategic. Uh, but let's, I want to go back to 
I want to look at the bright side. By nature, even though this has been a hell of a year and I've been angry and less trusting than I've been in my entire life because I've seen behind the curtain the bullshit that went on with our military leaders and it's disgusting. But let's look on the bright side. You know, uh, Stuart did this out of a love for the Marine Corps. He didn't do it because he was trying to tear them down. He did it because he loved his men and women. Uh, they have always risen on the battlefront. He respects that. He takes pride in being a Marine, uh, having been a Marine for 17 years. And he did this to make them better. The dummies at the top didn't see it that way. Uh, uh, the thin-skinned 40-year uh, vets up there uh, got their feelings hurt and they wanted to silence him and they put him on a gag order for five months. And, um, but let's look at the bright side. As we said a few minutes ago, it can get fixed. It has to get fixed. It will get righted. Americans have to get engaged. They have to go to the polls. They have to listen. You know, I just think that most Americans, we all know that only 1% of Americans serve or have a family member serving. That leaves 99% that just kind of want to not worry about it and want to be disengaged and go on about their lives. They're worrying about how much they're paying for a gallon, for a gallon of gas. They don't really want to, they don't really understand Ukraine, Afghanistan. It's just a lot of noise. And, and, and I'm, my message that I had been trying to pound the last six months is if we want change, if we want to save America, we have got to get engaged. Everybody you talk to, uh, you have to help educate them on what is really happening. And we have to elect leaders that will preserve the greatest military institution in the world. And that's the Department of Defense. We have to get elected leaders in that can do that. You have to be engaged. You have to educate yourself in order to be an effective voice to influence others, to get the right people in place to make the changes that are going to be necessary. I agree with you. My, my hope is that there are thousands and thousands of Stu Scheller, uh, Stu, uh, Stu Scheller Juniors out there, uh, both in uniform and out of uniform, that have had enough, are tired of being quiet, and have the moral courage to just push back against some of the nonsense. It, it, it's really just kind of getting down to right and wrong. And how long are we going to sit here and be browbeat with, with nonsense? I mean, we, well, have, to, we, you, have, we have to be if, able to call it out. If you love your family, if you love your, your partner, if you love your children, you better do it to save their future. Mm-hmm. We, right. You men, even though you're not still in the armed forces, you swore an oath mm-hmm. to protect against foreign and domestic enemies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, we can argue whether current leadership and current administration is an enemy or not. I don't want to draw that line, but I don't like the direction this country's going. And in order to save our military, in order to save our country, I think we've got, we've got to change. And the only way, the only way I can get people to do that is to ask them to engage, ask questions, listen to podcasts like this, Educate yourself. Go to vote in 2022. Go to vote in 2024. Find out who's on your ballot. I don't care if it's the school board, the town council, if it's the, the, your state senators and Congress people, your governor, as well as the federal level. You've got to discern who has America's best interest in mind. They work for you. Absolutely, sir. Fantastic parting words is getting involved. If you want to, if you want to save this uh, country, if you want to save the military, if you want to save our institutions, you got to do something. We're going to have to get involved. We're going to yeah. have to get in there and um, 
defend Americana. Yeah, and for our listeners, uh, if you didn't hear it already, uh, Stuart Scheller's Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's Generals and Politicians, that comes out on Amazon September 6th, uh, just a few days from now. So, uh, sir, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, appreciate you uh, raising uh, a fine mile American uh, as your son. And, uh, you know, what he has done, uh, in my mind, it was heroic. And uh, so I'm a better man for knowing him and you. And I appreciate your wise words. And uh, we'll all do well to put those into practice. Thank you, gentlemen. And for all you listeners, and especially those of you that are still active duty and serving, uh, Kathy and I would like to thank you and your families for your sacrifice and your service. Um, and uh, keep your chins up. Uh, it's it, it's going to get better, I promise. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, thank, you, thank sir. you, sir. Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of the Pinelander podcast. And if you enjoy our content, we hope you'll check out our sponsors. Blacksmith Publishing has been serving the warrior class since 2013. Uh, we have great titles written by warriors for warriors. And if you're looking for some cool uh, apparel, uh, head on over to the general store at pinelander1776.com. We have all kinds of uh, shirts, sweaters, jackets, stickers, you name it. Uh, you can probably find something in there to interest you. If you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, people like Stu Scheller, consider donating to the American Agogi Project. Until our next meeting, remember to keep your head on a swivel, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. God bless Pineland. Semper Fi.